Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 386. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. David Peisner. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. We have spoken before, but that was off the record. So this is kind of cool that it's uh, on the record a bit. So if you don't know David, you probably should have because there isn't a lot of Guns N' Roses news (laughs) at all. You usually get it from either this podcast or, well, in this case, Rolling Stone. So there was a recent article that came out called The uh, The Search for a Lost GNR Masterpiece. And I'm going to sprinkle in some fan questions as we go along because this was, it was such an article that was not just for the diehard fans, but for the, I don't know, like the, the, the rock readers, the readers of Rolling Stone that wants a real in-depth story. And it was interesting to see all, and we'll talk about the reception and everything, but this read like a movie script, like a plot of a movie. And that's what it was, uh, what it is essentially. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you, and I'll, I'll sprinkle in the, a fan comment. This is from Mason uh, Frost from Alabama. Great article. It's nice to see it finally see the light of day for something we've known about for so long. <laughs> so you and I, not quite a year ago, I think it was March of last year, uh, we spoke for like a good hour or so about this, and you interviewed so many different people. The article about Rick Dunsford and the... The search for uh, the the leaks and it's people read the article. I don't want to rehash that. But when did you stumble across this story? Because people of this, this listeners of the po- this podcast know about it. But when did you find about it? Out, out, find out about it? Sure. Well, so I actually found out about it through a friend of mine. Um, I mean, I you know I I'm 49 years old. I grew up. I was a Guns N' Roses fan. When, you know, when I was younger. But I, I was not. I was definitely not part of this, you know, sort of hardcore GNR community. Um, but he kind of is, uh, I mean, he's not like a well-known fan or anything, but, you know, kind of a, a, a somebody who's, you know, on the message boards from time to time, probably more as a lurker than a poster, but, um, but, you know, he's, a, a, I've known him since we were kids and I've always known that he's like a, like humongous Guns N' Roses fan. And we talk every once in a while. And I can't remember if he reached out to me specifically about this or if we were just, you know, talking, catching up and, and he, and he brought it up to me, but it it was pretty, it must've been pretty shortly after like the events that are mostly described in the story. So like, maybe this was like late 2019, early 2020, when I had this conversation, he told me about this story and, and, you know, I was, he, he kind of laid it out and laid out a lot of the, the, the stuff that, um, that everyone that everyone knows um and uh you know it's, it's a mystery it's kind of like, like there's there was a lot of really cool elements to it and i, I you know i said to him and you know people friends of mine will sometimes give me story ideas and a lot of times i can see immediately why they won't work but this one i was like oh this 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 would work and not only would this work i know 
that if I, I'm a freelancer and I knew if I pitched it to Rolling Stone, they'd say yes right away. Okay. Um, that said, at the time, I was just loaded with other work. And so I was like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to kind of put a pin in it. And when I get through what the stuff I'm working on, I'll, I'll, I'll get around to it. And that was like probably more than a year later. I mean, right, let's see. So 20, oh, is it maybe two years later. I mean, I could be my time. Time. It was a while of, of of kind of sitting on this idea and thinking about it, and then. But lo and behold, when I did pitch it to Rolling Stone, as as I thought, they were immediately yes, they wanted it right away. Um, and so that was probably early 2022 um, when I first started working on it. And, and like you said, then you know we spoke, you know, fairly shortly thereafter. Um, and I, I started reaching out to everyone and all that, but yeah, it, it all, it entirely came through, through this friend of mine. Okay. And it, it sounds like it took a year to write. And what I think is the most interesting thing to me and, and listeners of this podcast that we spoke about this story a couple of years ago and we, whenever like, cause I wasn't that kind of Guns N' Roses fan either. I did go on the forums, the, the, the time of Chinese democracy, to get to learn about the leaks, I it was my first time seeing Guns N' Roses in 2002. I just got really involved, but still, I wasn't one of these uh, I don't know ancillary characters you would find that you found in your article. That you know, I and not until this Guns N' Roses podcast that I started, and even which I, I I've already said my listeners know I thought it was a silly idea at the time. Why would I want to do Guns N' Roses podcast? Because I well six seven years later, I think I know why now. But to go on my GNR forum and different forums and find out about all these characters that have been a part of this underground, this this under this belly of Guns N' Roses fandom for so long, it was a lot of good content at the beginning of the podcast. And then I found out that it's really not good content because some people don't want you to talk about that. So there are, people might know there are some missing episodes that I have. I've had to make them hidden under threats of lawsuits and, uh, you know, trying to get me fired from my job. So it's, it was very surprising because when I would tell people the stress that I was going under trying to explain the story to them, they think I'm crazy. So I'm one in awe that you were able to successfully pitch this to Rolling Stone because <laughs> it's, it's just, it's hard to surmise. Like it, it, you, you do a, obviously a great well, job. I think, I think Part of it, part of the reason why I think it was able to work, because I mean, I had I ran into plenty of problems and, and it did take it was, you know, it was a lot of digging and a lot of reporting. And I often was joking. It was like I, I've never done so much like investigative reporting over something that on the surface is not that earth shattering. Right. I mean, we're talking <laughs> about music, right? I yeah. mean, I guess Guns N' Roses music. Yes, it's like. But if we if we zoom out, you know, and the kind of like investigative like journalism I felt like I was doing was hardcore to try, you know, digging through documents and 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 trying to track people down and all this stuff is usually the kind of stuff you're doing when you're, you know, whatever, uh, like uncovering a political scandal. It's or Watergate, but, right? Right, but but this the, was Leakgate, um, Leakgate, right? But but the other thing that that actually ended up being helpful because you know I did run into plenty of people who didn't want to talk. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a uh, sort of paper trail, so to speak, of texts and, you know, posts on forums and things like that, emails that 
if you took the time and you know if you if you track down like those texts and those emails and all of that stuff you could kind of almost piece it together almost without talking to people you could kind of see okay well this this person said these things on this date and so you know it it just becomes a lot it's just a lot of work but it but it it, it can be done um and you know you mentioned like it took a year to write i mean it really i mean it took a while it took a while it probably it, it didn't quite take that long it probably took six months um but then there was just you know like the way these things work you know you turn something in and then the magazine's figuring out when to schedule it and there you know it was it was kind of sitting around for a while and then there's a lot of to do at the end of like you know editing and what whatnot but um like when but my it, but part it got cut when like my part got cut <laughs> exactly exactly we talked you and i talked and um and it's interesting i mean i i talked to a, a good number of people who ended up not in the story sure. who might have been in an earlier version like an earlier draft that was i mean the way i write like i end up writing very long first drafts that kind of is like okay here's everything and then i'll, I'll go through and start figuring out okay i can do without doing and, and you know you slowly slowly whittle it down and then editors come along and whittle it down some more but um but yeah, I mean, I talked to you and, and, uh, and the thing is, I mean, even more than in, in most stories, like talking to you, talking to some other people who, who ended up not being quoted in the story, it was more necessary in this story for me to have those conversations than it what might've been in other stories where people's, uh, you know, contributions, you know, end up on the cutting room floor because I needed to learn about this community, you know, like I needed to talk to people like you. I needed to talk to all these people to sort of get a sense, not just of the specific events that I was writing about, but also just the the context of like, what is the, What is this community all about? Like I heard, you know, tons of stories from you and other people of other really interesting, <laughs> like tales from this, uh, you know, kind of uh, community that um really informed like my opinion and 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 my uh and, and my and, and all of the other things i wrote wait can you hold on? i love that what, what, what? Cat here is, uh... usually there's a cat interrupting me actually i was i'm surprised he's not he was begging for food i'm like no i gotta record what's your buddy's name by the way i get distracted uh, it's indie um indie yeah it's indie uh but uh anyhow they'll hopefully be quiet no we'll no Hey, I, I said, I'll ask you this at the end. Like if you can interview Axl Rose, if I can interview, I can just talk cats with Axl Rose. Anyway, put, <laughs> let's, let's put a pin in that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, but no, uh, but yeah, so, so it, 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 like I had a lot of conversations when I did a ton of, a ton of research and inter interviews that ended up not in the story, but, or not specifically in the story, but they're kind of, it's in the story in a, in, a, in a different way and that it just kind of informed my understanding of everything. The, you, what really told me that you got it, it was these, uh, these two sentences that you really got, and especially the, the feature person, Rick Dunsford, who has been on the podcast, a couple of his episodes have, to, have had to be made private because <laughs> of the uh, previous mentioned threats that I got. And I'm like, I guess I just want to podcast and interview people. I don't need, I don't need this stress. Uh, he wrote, Dunsford speaks in an often breathless southern drawl. Words stumble on, out in a rush, each eager to overtake the one uh, before it. As with other aspects of his life, his excitement can get the best of him. I thought that was so brilliant. I've never met him in person. I've obviously spoken to him uh, extensively on the phone or Zoom, but 
Yeah, what a what a character he is, a lead character. What did you make of Rick when you first met him? And I guess what do you think of him now that it's all the dust is settled with the uh, the article? Rick is a really interesting guy. Uh, so yeah, when I, you know, when I first, I mean, I, as I was saying before, there were some people who were very uh, reluctant or didn't want to speak. Rick absolutely from the first text i sent him was like i'm in i want to talk like he, he couldn't have been more anxious so uh you know and i went out and visited him in at, at his home in mississippi um and he is a he's a nice guy like i mean there's no like he's a very nice guy right. um he but like part, and honestly part of untangling the story like, like, and I did, I'm glad you pointed out that sentence. I was surprised that that was, that, that was the one that you would have picked out, but I'm really, <laughs> because it is, he does not talk in, in, in a very linear fashion where like this happened, then this happened, this happened. It's all sort of circular and you're cutting back and he's thinking like, he's, you know, thinking about seven different things at once and, and stories get cut off and they don't get picked up. And so, I mean, I remember the day that I was sitting with him in, in Mississippi, and we spoke for mo- you know hours. I don't I don't remember how how long, but but several hours, and then going home and and going through those transcripts and trying to like make sense of it all. And then we you know I talked to him again and again and again over the the the, the months that followed. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in the end, like so in the end, you know he he was lying. He was lying to me for months, right? So he, you know, he's telling me he didn't leak the stuff. Um, and when I sort of put figured it all out and was like, okay, he definitely did this. He and he's been telling me, you know, since February that he didn't. And I knew I had to have a conversation with him about it. Like I, you know, I and when you're reporting, like the, the, these things happen. Like I've I've had these kinds of conversations before. They usually are uncomfortable. They're awkward. You don't know, like any time it's a confrontation, essentially, you know, you're calling somebody out why, you know, you've been lying to me for months. It didn't go that way at all with Rick though. So like, it was like, it was, so I, I sort of called him on and I, I kind of laid out what I knew and he, there was a a couple of minutes of him kind of hemming and hawing and trying to kind of see if he could wiggle out of it. And then he just like dropped it. He was like, and he was actually complimentary of me. He was like, I can't believe you figured it out. That's so awesome. He was like excited to be like, to be able to shit now, like talk more openly about it. And it was just such an odd reaction, but like he genuinely like didn't, it wasn't, he didn't have any sort of animosity towards me. He was like, I, he's like, I can't believe you figured it out. That's so awesome. He's uh, he's like, you know more about this than me now. And like it, it, it was really uh and and it, I don't know if just the fact that um, it kind of made that made it made that conversation easier, which it certainly did. And I continued to talk to him afterwards, and he was continued to be supportive of the story and wanted still wanted the story told. I mean, I think ultimately he he wanted this story to come out, and and um, I don't know that he he thought that I would get to the bottom of it or not. Um, but I think he, that he was perfectly willing to, to risk that. And um, I don't think he's, I, I think he's perfect. I think he's happy with it. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I, I, 
we haven't talked since the story came out, but I know he's like posted about it on social media and he's been, he's been happy about it. So, or maybe we have, uh, we, we haven't talked on the phone. Maybe we texted, I can't remember, but, um, but anyway, but he's, uh, you know, and so I like, it's kind of like one of those things that in spite of, like, I could tell you a bunch of things about him that are not flattering, you know, like uh, about his sort of commitment to the truth, but ultimately I, he's I like him. Like as a person, I like him. He's a, he's, he's a, you know, there's certain people who are are likable people and he's a likable guy. I, I, and so, and I tried to kind of make that point in the story. And I think, I think, I I think MSL had said the same thing to me as well. Um, And they've had obviously like a fairly, you know, tumultuous uh, relationship over the years. But he he said, I said that to me, you know, like he's a good guy. He just gets carried away. He's just, you know, it, it, his excitement gets the best of him. I mean, that could be said for a lot of us. Uh, Rick knows you're, <laughs> he knows you're coming on today. He was excited. He said, tell David in his interview that he should write a, a full book about the madness around the story and Chinese in general. So I don't know if that's in, uh, in the works for the future. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, like I, there, there's definitely um, a lot of thoughts and, and some hopefully getting a little momentum about whether it's a book or, or another sort of uh, some sort of project, um, you know, uh, based some, some, you know, on this material or, or other stuff in this world. Cause it's, it's really like, it's like you said, you thought this is a terrible idea for a podcast, but then you, you start getting into, you're like, Oh my God, there's, it's just like a cast of characters and right. there's just so much intrigue and, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, which is what you thought, this is newsworthy. This is not newsworthy because I, I am one of these hyper, you know, uh, nerdy lo- uh, Guns N' Roses fans, you know, now. But obviously the mainstream, and you and you wrote it like a Guns N' Roses fan, but I appreciate it where you didn't write it like a, like a hyper nerd like me, that you have a different <laughs> view of Chinese democracy. You weren't involved. You weren't following the band when they were quiet and doing nothing. I mean, who does that? Who follows a band? You know, unless it's the Beatles that are no longer making music or, you know, you know, they're, they're done, you know, who follows a band that's on like indefinite hiatus. That's just very, very strange. Uh, something in this story, I guess, in some, in stories, maybe in general, do you see, uh, I don't know, villain is too strong. Do you see any, is, is Rick, he's a nice guy, but is he a, a likable bad guy here? Do you... <laughs> there's there's a phrase that people sometimes use called a likable rogue. Um, okay. Uh, you know, like, which is sort of what I think what you're talking about, like, um, and, and, and it's a pretty popular kind of, uh, I, I don't know, anti-hero might be a little strong, uh, but, but, you know, uh, I mean, if you think about, there, like, characters you're you're rooting for in some way yet like you couldn't defend their actions <laughs> um and that's that's you know or you couldn't always defend them and so and, and that's i think i don't know if rick falls exactly into that category but he's certainly in the neighborhood um and uh you know to be frank so are a lot of other people in this uh community sure uh you know like uh, whatever i mean i don't know that that's necessarily completely different than any slice of than any sort of community of people who are uh, hardcore fans of anything. Um, but, but certainly, you know, I, I definitely ran into plenty of people and, you know, it's like, 
I certainly don't see there being like any heroes of this story. Um, the, uh, I think that there are a lot of kind of likable rogues uh, who are kind of, you know, so, some more central to the story than others. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, so I, so it, it is, I, I certainly wouldn't say Rick is an out and out villain. He definitely doesn't have um, sort of a, he doesn't, he, there's, there's no real malice to like the things that he's doing. That's how I feel, yeah. right? That's how I feel. And that's usually what I look toward. And I told Rick when I first met him and you put it in the article, you know, my, my, me and my wife were due in April. If three weeks after she gives birth, I'm like, I'm going to go on a road trip to buy Chinese democracy, you know, leftovers. We're getting a divorce. <laughs> like it's, it's just going to happen. You know, and I wouldn't blame her. So I right. said that to Rick, and he understood. He, he only laughed. So, I mean, more power to him. I'm not naming my kid Axel. I, it's too on brand. <laughs> I have a podcast, I, I, you know, but I I know a lot of fans of this podcast named their kid. It's a cool name. I just can't personally do it. Uh, so it's interesting that you have that same perception because that is true of Rick. It's like it didn't seem malice. So I felt that the the banning is too much. What do you feel, I guess, uh, does the the punishment fit the crime and does he deserve all of it? Because he does did leak some. Did he leak all of it? Did he leak some stuff? I mean, there are other people who should be banned. I feel like ban them all or ban none of them. Right, right. I mean, there's. I guess there's two two ways to look at that. And one is that um, on a strict, you know, sort of like, did he do it? Yeah, yes, or he did certainly enough of it to 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 warrant. What you know, or at least a backup, what GNR management is is sort of claiming um, by banning him. Uh, from a perception point of view, I, I I don't really get it though. Like I mean, like you're 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 going to ban your biggest fan or one you know one of your biggest fans um, because you know because he went to all of this trouble to to release a bunch of music. He didn't get rich off of this. I mean, there, like he, like this wasn't. It's it, it, you know, if he had made one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and yeah, they should, you know, there there'd be a whole different. But you know, like Agreed. at best, you know, like and, and like there, like I said, there are things in the story that that I couldn't completely nail down. Um, there, there is a there is a world where he made off with three grand, you know, okay. uh, right, or, or 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 a few grand here here or there. I, I I like or that was like his. You know, it, because the the band reimbursed him at one point, and he may have only paid twelve grand, and they reimbursed him fifteen grand. This is Guns N' Roses we're talking about. They 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 just come off a, a tour that they grossed something like five hundred million dollars. Yeah, you know, like to 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 go after a diehard fan over or, or over he may have stiffed you for three grand, and he may not have. He may he may have just completely broken even. Um, but but like all of that stuff, you know, it just it just doesn't make sense. I mean, look, they can ban whoever they want. Um, sure, it's their right. I get that as a but, business. But 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 I just think like it makes the ban look silly and petty. Um, and, and I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, like they got the right guy. If that was if that was like the argument was like oh. I mean, yes, and sure, certainly there are there are plenty of other people who 
played a part in this, were can you know can can uh, have leaked other music, and who haven't gotten the same punishment. Um, but like that, that that's kind of like you know you can argue that they're not being consistent and all of that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that that uh, they you know, owe it to anyone to be consistent. But I, I do, I do think, yeah. like I said before, I just, I think it like makes them look like petty and, and it, it, it does, it's not a good look for the band. Um, but it's hardly the first thing they've done. That's not a good look. For the <laughs> yes. You're absolutely right there. And speaking of the band, I guess that's the big question. And a lot of people were surprised that this wasn't like next. This wasn't, because the band tr tries to shut things down. Uh, that was kind of the part of the story with the leaks. If it got out there, and rightfully so, if it leaked on YouTube or something, it was shut down. Anything uh, spoken about that, even sometimes in certain forums, you couldn't name what the titles were. You know, that was privy information. So how do you think Guns N' Roses feels about this article? They, I, can't I mean, have, I... Yeah. I don't know specifically how they feel about it. I mean, you know, like I certainly reached out to them. I reached out to their lawyers. Um, they knew about it months and months in advance, you know. Sure. Uh, uh, I, I don't really know what they could have done to shut it down. I mean, because I didn't, because they were not, I, it's not like they, they helped me at all. It's not like they gave me any information. Um, so there was no cooperation that they could cut off. I mean, yes, they could have got, I mean, the, the one thing that if they really wanted to like shut this down, they could have gone above my head to Rolling Stone and said, listen, if you cut this, if you, if you, uh, you know, ax this story, we'll give you an exclusive interview with Axel or something like that. Right. But, but there's two, two things, two things about that. One is I don't know. Like, is, is it worth it for the band? I mean, I, I don't know that the band, other than like what I was just saying about looking a bit petty, does the band come off looking any worse in this than they do anywhere else? I mean, no. I mean, so I don't know if it, it I mean, not that they would have known that beforehand, but but I don't know that it would have been worth it for them to to, to make, a, make a big deal out of this. Because ultimately, to be honest, it would have just drawn more attention to the story, um, you know, especially if we, we, if they made a big deal out of it and then it ran anyway, or or then it, like I, you know, so and also is 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 if if that was the bait that they were dangling, which they didn't, as far as I know, I don't think they got in touch with any of the editors over my head and 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 offered anything, um, you know, the like it, it, it does. It, it doesn't does an interview with Axl Rose mean the same thing in in 2022 or 2023 as it as it did in you know 2008 or 1997 or what any any of those other times I mean I I I love to interview him I think it'd, it'd be a, it'd be it'd be interesting but um you know I don't know that uh I don't know you know I don't know I mean I hope I'd like to think that that Rolling Stone would have never taken that bait. I don't. I don't actually know, but I, I mean. Um, but again, like I, the other than that, as long as you know, we weren't. I wasn't writing anything that wasn't uh, true or, or that was, right. 
about the band, then then there's nothing really they could do. Um, okay. In, in some ways, it's interesting because it's a rolling. I mean, it's a Guns N' Roses story, but it's not really about Guns N' Roses. Right. It's about the fan. It's about you know all, what people were willing to go to and and are willing to to, to endure. You know to to get music from a band that doesn't really like to release music. Yeah. So, um, they're sort of almost a, just a bit part player in the story. <laughs> That's the genius. I mean, of, of it course, all. they're they're the thing that sets it all in motion. But yeah, <laughs> right, right. But but yeah. So I mean, and, and and in some ways, that was why when I had that conversation with my friend, and he first told me about this, that I knew that Rolling Stone would want this story because. It, here you can get you get to do a Guns N' Roses story, but you don't have to deal with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> like, like you don't podcast. have to deal with like whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never and I've never really dealt with Guns N' Roses on any sort of level. I mean, okay. I, you know, on this in this story, I certainly reached out to them and they they weren't psyched about it. Um, and I, it, um, I mean, when I say that, like, uh, like, you know, I reached out to them and they didn't want to talk i mean okay. so i say that they want like they want to talk I don't, I don't really have any uh uh further info about what they thought um uh, about it beyond that so uh you know it's it's um like i don't know that it would be a pain to deal with them but i but from everything that i have gathered you're just dealing have, with that at the know, fan level about that right yeah. just, i mean just for yeah so i just i i imagine that, that it's not easy so like here, here you get to do a, a Guns N' Roses story and you don't have to deal with any of that. Obviously, there's a lot of other things to deal with. But, there, but no. There's a lot of things to deal with. And uh, I don't want to keep you here forever, but uh, I want to you know, pick on a couple uh, sure. listeners that made some comments or questions. Uh, Eric just wants to give you props for naming Axl Rose as the biggest hoarder of them all. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Nat wants to say, if you can, I guess, what wasn't in the article that you wanted to be in there? Or is there something that you wanted to include, but you couldn't maybe for time or space? Are you allowed to say that? I, I kind of... I mean, there, there are certain things... There are a lot of things that I couldn't include um, because I, I, I didn't... There was a... There is, because I didn't honestly get the reporting... I, I start, there are there are a couple of really interesting side bits that were still side bits, but um, would have been really interesting. But I did I couldn't sort of nail down all the reporting on it. Like it was just it, it was close, but it wasn't there. Um, you know, uh, there. I, I'm trying to think of if there were some specific things that I actually just left out just sheerly because there was some backstory that was definitely left out because of space, but I imagine this is stuff that most of the people in the GNR community already know. That was really stuff that I felt like, oh, your, your average reader might not know, you know, stuff about earlier leaks, the stuff with Squirrel and um, and and the stuff with, which is all fascinating, but it's just kind of like backdrop to all of this, the the Mike Piazza stuff, like right. uh, I mean, some of it may have, may have ended up in there, but- Piazza there was, was, was briefly. Right, there, there was a lot of backstory like MSL has a, a long backstory, which I, I really kind of slimmed down, had to kind of slim down just for space. But but all of that, which again, like I, I think most people in the community probably know, um, is fascinating. And I would have and, and it was and I would have loved to have had it in there. 
Rick himself has 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 some other backstory that um, you know he, he he did like concert promotion and 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 um, you know worked with some bands and things like that and 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 that's a whole other little alley which again like you know when you're looking at things to cut it's a fairly obvious thing to cut it doesn't really inform readers but like for me just like I, I thought it was really interesting right um, you know the MSL stuff the backstory I think that's such really interesting um probably there's probably some more stuff about team brazil um back again just a lot of backstory that that ended up you know i don't i can't remember how long the story ended up in the end five thousand seven thousand words but it, there was there was definitely a version that was twice that wow when i first wrote it and so um and some of that yeah like ended up getting cut because it what it, it was i i was the reporting wasn't quite finished on it and then um some of it got cut because it was just space and and as a wannabe writer, uh, any specific lines like you like you like the way you worded something, and it's my excuse to bring this up. Another way that I like how you worded it, fans would discuss a stray quote from a band member with the dedication of the Talmudic uh, scholars. <laughs> so as a as a Jew, I appreciate that. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, and that that honestly came from just like I mean, in in, in sort of me trying to like. I wouldn't really say embed myself, but to, to learn uh, the, the community, like I sat and read message boards, oh. just like read like through like 90 page, like, you know, oh, forum God. posts. And, you know, you just start, it just gets so granular <laughs> and like, you know, like, and the more you read it, of course, I, I, I'm sure most people listening will know, the more you read it, the more invested you get in like the most specific details and and wait what does this mean and it, and that's yeah that that was that was really where that line came from which was just that because it is because then you zoom back out and you're like wait we're talking about the the middle eight section of this song and somebody thinks that it's not actually axel it's somebody else and you know like you're just like oh my like i know anyway. you gotta take a step <laughs> back from it uh, and you're just <laughs> How do you so, feel? Yeah. I'm just. I'm going to ask this one. How do you feel about Chinese democracy now? <laughs> okay, so so yeah, that that was interesting because like honestly, my whole experience with Chinese democracy, like personally, was um, I was I, I was writing a lot about music when it came out. Like I I, I uh, and I you know I still obviously write a fair bit about music, but I just kind of do a lot of just general uh, kind of journalism now. But um, but at the time, I was like you know. Uh, all through those years like from 90 the late 90s up through 2008 when it's coming out i was just involved in like uh you know writing about new releases and things like that and so the whole chinese democracy thing like it, it, it had slowly become a joke through that period like it was like oh it's whatever 2002 and oh it's going to come out no it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it just like you know this idea that and by 2008 it was like the joke was just so stale. Like it was like, no one even makes that joke anymore because it's so stale about uh, this is never gonna come out. This is never gonna come out. Oh my God, it just came out. And it was the it was just very anticlimactic when it came out. I, I, I don't even, I barely remember it coming. I mean, I remember it and I remember, I'm sure I listened to it once or twice and thought, eh, and like never really, I just, I never really dove into it. So, and I, and, I may never have listened to it again between that time and 20, 
actually i did listen to it like kind of 2019 2018 for a different thing i was thinking about but but anyway what i started as i was listening to it a, a lot around this time i kind of started getting both i i appreciated a lot more um you know i think uh and, and i also can understand why in some ways it wasn't as successful, but also why some people have latched onto it, because there there is a lot to like about it. Um, I think it's a little overwhelming as an album. Sure, I think it's almost just like in a sensory way. There's too much going on. Like when you kind of think about ap um, appetite for destruction, okay, it's really a very raw, simple record. You know, like, I mean, those are great songs. It's, 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 you know, but it's, it's, it's not like lavishly produced. Whereas by the time you get around to Chinese democracy, it's almost like overload on your, on your, on your brain trying to like, and I, and I, and I, what I found is that while I would, I can individually like quite a lot of those songs to listen to that album from beginning to end, I find kind of exhausting. Um, and, uh, you know, and I don't know that again, that's just my personal take on it. Um, but, but, but also when you put that much into it, production wise, instrumentally, all of that stuff, you're good. There's a lot for people to latch onto. So the people who do latch onto it, there's, there's plenty of stuff for them to, there's, sure. they're, they're, to, to dig into. Um, so I get it. And, um, and I do, I do have a much more, a much greater appreciation of the album now than I did before I started working on the story. Mm. Um, you know, do I, I don't think it's uh, like a, as good an album as uh, Appetite for Destruction or Use Your Illusion one or two, but I mean, in a, some ways it, it's not, I, I actually have a lot of admiration for it in a strange way, even though I don't like it as much because the thing to do if you're in any successful band is to keep doing the exact same thing over and over. That's that's the way you stay successful, right? Sure. You know, you you keep churning it out. You maybe make gradual changes here and there, right? If it ain't broke, don't uh, you know? Don't fix it, right? And, and but what Axel was trying to do, I believe, I don't know, was not to repeat himself. Um, was to was to, to was to do something different to try to not make another appetite for destruction to not to and, and you could even on user illusion you can see that he's you know pushing the bounds you know he's he, it's 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 a, it's a much bigger uh more uh ambitious album than appetite for destruction although it's again i think it's not as good like uh, there's just too much but and then you know so you by the time you get to chinese democracy i like the fact that he's trying to do something different i like that like that it's it's you know a very different album than the than than appetite for destruction um that doesn't mean i like the record more i like the fact that he tried to do this and i would have loved to have seen him continue to try and do the, the those things even if it meant putting in albums that would anger the gnr fan base would have them complain planning that this doesn't sound like the gnr that i love i mean that's that's art that's the difference between art and commerce you know, that's what you Bowie be, did. Bowie did. Like right. Bowie's never the same. Sure. I mean, like, 
you know, and like you can go through Bowie's catalog and there are albums that I find unlistenable. Sure. But you had he has to do that to get to the next thing. You have to go. But the problem is, if you're Axel and you're only putting out an album every 20 years, you know, or, or whatever, whatever. Every Equinox or whatever. Right. Then, then you, you're so like. It would be cool. I mean, and the other thing I would say is that if he had put out Chinese Democracy in 1999 or 2000, when it was more or less done. I mean, you know, obviously things have been done since. But if he had just said, all right, it's as good as it's going to be, let's go. That would have put him on a completely different path. I think. That would have right. been like, okay, maybe this album, you know, maybe it would have gotten a similar reception. Maybe people would have been kind of lukewarm to it. But it's much easier to then come back two or three years later and say, well, now, now I've got these new songs. Whereas you wait that long and now everything has to be a magnum opus. And if you put that kind of pressure on yourself, you know, it, it, it's crippling as, 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 you know, as, as we've seen. So, I mean, I would have rather seen, you know, three or four mediocre albums of, of like, okay, well, this is where I'm at now. This is where I'm at now. This is where I'm at now. Then, then to have to like put all this pressure on Chinese democracy and, you know, who knows if there there will be a, another album one day, you know, in the future. But it's going to be the same thing because now it's been just as long since Chinese Democracy as it's been since since those you know since the first albums. So, but David, if he did that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't have True, written that would article. Have there would be no Rick Dunsford. <laughs> there would be no MSL. There would be no. <laughs> so, so in, in, there is a different way to view it as that it's all completely genius in that uh you know like how do you engender like the the loyalty and like i mean the funny thing one of the funny things that i that i found while working on the story was that the the, the hardcore gnr fan base both loves and loathes guns and roses like <laughs> like i've never seen a fan base with like yeah. who have the knives out so quickly for the, for the thing that they that, that binds them together and um you know but yeah but and, and in that way right like if you if you the mystery of, of guns and roses the mystery of axel rose would not be the same if he was putting an album, album every two years i agree well, so. i i hope one of us gets to interview him one day one day one day uh, David, thanks for spending some extra time with us. I know you're a busy dude problem. and you're up against deadlines. Uh, people want to follow you. I know you're on Twitter, David Peisner, at David Peisner. Uh, anywhere else that people, you know, or even any other articles coming out that you want people to see that you could talk about? Um, no. Well, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I think it's also D uh, David Peisner um, on Instagram. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm actually uh, working on a book right now, so, which I... Uh, so I'm don't I'm hoping not to have to do any stories until I finish this book. Okay. So, uh, well, come back but, when you finish uh, the book, then. I will do it. I will do it. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, David, thank you so much, and you'll appreciate how I end my episodes. So, when is the next episode you're going to see of Appetite for Distortion? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. security, I'm going home.